Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. If a secular skeptic challenged you to a debate, would you be able to argue for the Christian faith with confidence? What would it take to deepen your conviction? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares four truths from God's Word to help you stand more firmly for your faith. From living with confidence in a chaotic world, here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Stay Confident. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We are delighted to have this privilege. We understand you could invite anybody uh, onto your radio, but you've invited us, and we take that seriously. We don't come with a word from ourselves. We come with the Word of God, and we know that that word is life-changing. So you can imagine how exciting it is for us to sit here in this little room at Turning Point International Headquarters and uh, share these truths and realize that these truths are going everywhere, all over the world. Just think about this. Here in the United States, Turning Point is heard well over 3,000 times every day. Actually, way more than that, because that's just the number of stations, and most of these stations air Turning Point at least twice during their daytime. So thank you for helping us. Thank you for making this possible. Thank you, Almighty God, for the privilege of being an ambassador for the truth. And uh, as we see this word go out in this confusing day, we know how important it is. This series um, was planned a long time ago, but God had his hand on it because here's the title, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World. Never has there been more chaos than we have experienced recently, and never have we needed this message more than we do now. So let's not waste any more time talking about it. Let's just understand it and get started. This is Stay Confident, How to Live in a Chaotic World. Though everything else may fail us, God's word never will. Jesus, who calmed the storm and walked across the waves, is still in control. Double-digit unemployment, trillion-dollar debts and bailouts, what are these to one who created every star in the sky? He still reigns, he still speaks, and his word still offers the provision for every need we have in these days. So what exactly are these needs? Paul is going to give us a clue. In so many ways, the great apostle is telling Timothy what the church in Ephesus and the church in our own cities needs to hear when the preacher stands up to preach. We often hear this passage taught in pastoral seminars or preaching conferences, but when I read it this time, I got the impression that maybe it was more for the hearers than it was for the preacher. Maybe this is what we need to use as our list of things that the people in our churches need to be hearing and the people who listen to us and watch us on the radio and on television need to be understanding. So what do we need when we open this book? What do we need when we sit in the pews every Sunday? Pastors, what do we need to be offering the people who come to hear us every week? First of all, we need a sure word from God. 
Paul gives Timothy five commands in this text. Look down at your Bibles and you will see. He says, preach, be ready, convince, rebuke, exhort. Preach, be ready, convince, rebuke, exhort. Remember, Paul is working in a state of urgency and he knows that his ministry is almost complete even though he still has a fire burning within him for new lands and new souls, he's pretty confident that his major ministry days are finished. In fact, over in the fourth chapter of Second Timothy and verses six and seven, he writes these words, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You can hear the passion in Paul's words. In the previous chapter of this letter, he has spoken to Timothy about truth and the importance of upholding it. He has looked forward to a time when religious leaders will be addicted to pleasure rather than to fellowship with the Father. And now he is saying to Timothy, Timothy, what these people need is to hear the word, a sure word. And he uses the word for preach, which means to proclaim with formality and gravity and authority. It means to preach as if you believed what you were saying. On another occasion, this same apostle referred to what we sometimes call and what he wrote about, he called it the foolishness of preaching. Because the words that are in the Bible, when they're preached to those who don't know Christ, seem like nonsense to them. The Holy Spirit makes the difference. And when the Holy Spirit takes the word of God that is preached, he makes a difference in the heart of the person who hears. But before the Holy Spirit does his work in the heart of the hearer, the preacher has to deliver the goods. He has to give the word of God. He can't stand in the pulpit and waver. He can't bring a bunch of fun little stories and positive mental attitude stuff. He brings the word of God, and then the Holy Spirit takes that word and makes a difference in the heart of the listener. I remember reading some time ago about a woman who was on her deathbed. She described how she was saved by reading a crumpled, ragged piece of wrapping paper in a package shipped from Australia. Someone had used the printed text of a sermon by Charles Haddon Spurgeon to wrap a package for shipment. The sermon had been preached in England, it had been printed in America, it had been shipped to Australia and then sent back to England as wrapping paper where the woman read it and encountered Christ for the first time and became a Christian. The word traveled thousands of miles on the cheapest, most crumpled and smeared newsprint, but the truth broke through the simplest of media, and God's word, once again, was a sure word to this woman. What do we need today in our culture? We need the power of the word of God, the sure word of God, and that's what Paul said to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I want you to preach the word. But not only do we need a sure word from God, we need a serious word from God. He says, be ready in season and out of season. The word here, to be ready, means to stand by, to be on hand. Those of us who are charged with the responsibility of teaching God's word need to understand that this is pretty serious business. Nothing could be sadder than to go and hear somebody open the word of God and preach it with no passion and no conviction. 
Interestingly enough, after Brad Borders became a Christian, we were talking one day at another event, and I said, Brad, you've got to answer this question for me. I said, you, here you are, you're an atheist. You don't even believe in God, and you don't believe in the Bible, and obviously the worst thing that, that could ever happen and the most foolish thing would be for you to be listening to the book of Revelation on the radio. Why would an atheist listen to the book of Revelation on the radio? He smiled. He said, well, I didn't believe any of it, but it sounded like you did. So I kept listening. That's what I'm talking about, pastors. That's what I'm talking about, teachers. Do we preach the sure word of God as serious students? Paul commands Timothy to boldly proclaim the message of the gospel. People need a serious word from God. This book and this message is life and death. This provides a defining moment in the lives of those who hear it. And for us to preach anything else makes no sense whatsoever. And in my estimation, it's disobedience to Almighty God. We have been called as preachers of the word of God. We need a sure word from God, and we need a serious word from God, but we also need a systematic word from God. Notice in the passage, as you look back again to these two verses in 2 Timothy chapter 4, here we are told certain things we are to do as we preach the word of God. And let me just break them down for us. First of all, our minds need to be convinced by the word. The word is here, to convince. It means to present an argument or a strong appeal. It means something like an attorney presenting a brief. We're trying to change the mind of the hearer. We're not to just stand up and tell stories. We're not to stand up and do oratory. We're to take the word of God and break it down and create the argument of the scripture and present it in a very confident and convincing way to our listeners. For instance, here's an illustration of it. Every Easter, we come to the story of the resurrection. It's not enough just to read the story in the Gospels. We need to present the facts of the resurrection. We need to convince the minds of those who don't believe in the resurrection that this is indeed one of the most fundamental facts of the Christian faith. This is what it means to preach the word of God convincingly, to convince people with our teaching. Then notice, secondly, not only do our minds need to be convinced by the word of God, our wills need to be convicted by the word of God. Notice, Paul's second word is the word rebuke. I'm sure that's not your favorite word. And honestly, as a preacher, it's not my favorite word either. Nobody likes to be rebuked. And if you've got a sensitive heart, you don't like to do the rebuking either. But it's a necessary part of life. And it means to reprimand. It is synonymous to the word convict. In a spiritual context, it means to speak out against sin where we find it. You know, in today's church, that's almost an adventure. A lot of the guys I know who preach today maybe have started out as students of the Word of God, preachers of the Word of God, and then they have moved over into another genre where their idea is that they're to give a positive message every Sunday and send people out of the door of the church feeling good about themselves. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not the calling of a pastor. We understand why pastors might shy away from telling it like it is. But truthfully, if they would preach the word of God as it is written, they would find that the people of God would stand up and applaud them for their honesty. And the culture today needs that kind of preaching. Yes, it needs to be done with the spirit of compassion and love. We're to speak the truth in love. We're to be men who have grace and truth. Both those things are important. But the culture today is pushing gospel preachers clear to the edge so that many of them never, ever preach on sin. 
they never call out the issues of the culture that are wrong. Too many pastors attempt to be user-friendly, and they don't give any offense. Now, I need to tell you, I don't start out to offend anyone when I preach. I don't get up on Monday and say, let me see if I can find something in the Word of God that I can beat the people of God over the head with next week. I just don't do that. But I have always been a preacher that preaches what's next. And my friends, if you start in this book to teach it and you go through the pages of it, there are going to be some places where you're going to run into some stuff that's very difficult, very hard on you, and then perhaps through your voice can be hard on others. The Bible is not just a book that is for things, but because it's for things, it's sometimes against things. You've heard me say this before a lot of times. God has called me to do two things as your pastor. I am not only here to comfort the afflicted, but I am also here to afflict the comfortable. Both of those jobs are important. Both of them can be done with a smile, and both of them obviously need to be done with compassion. Not long ago, I was reminded of a passage in a very famous book that many had to read when they were studying in school, written by John Steinbeck, the author of Grapes of Wrath. He was never known as an evangelical, obviously, but he tells a story about something that happened in his life once that illustrates what it means to preach this kind of message. Here's what he wrote after he had gone to a church service in New England and he was reacting to the sermon that he heard while he was there. Listen to this. He said, it is our practice now, at least in the large cities, to find from our psychiatric priesthood that our sins aren't really sins at all, but accidents that are set in motion by forces beyond our control. There was no nonsense in this church, he wrote. The minister, a man of iron with tool-steeled eyes and a delivery like a pneumatic drill opened up with prayer and reassured us that we were a pretty sorry lot. And he was right. We didn't amount to much to start with and due to our own tawdry efforts, we had been slipping ever since. Then after having softened us up, he went into a glorious sermon, a fire and brimstone sermon. He spoke of hell as an expert, not with the mush-mush hell of these soft days, but a well-stoked white hot hell served by technicians of the first order. This reverend brought it to a point where we could understand it. A good hard coal fire. For some years now, God has been a pal to us, practicing togetherness. But this Vermont God cared enough about me to go to a lot of trouble kicking the hell out of me. He put my sins in a new perspective. Whereas they had been small and mean and nasty and best forgotten, this minister gave then some size and bloom and dignity. I wasn't a naughty child, he said. I was a first-rate sinner. And even John Steinbeck realized the value in hearing the truth, even though he probably had tongue-in-cheek when he wrote what I just read. In his letter to Titus, Paul describes what a true teacher must do. Titus 1.9, he says, have a good grip on the message, knowing how to use the truth to either spur people on in knowledge or stop them in their tracks if they oppose it. And Paul touches upon the ultimate goal of preaching. In Colossians 1.28, he says, we're to be warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So our minds need to be convinced by the word, our wills need to be convicted by the word, and then thirdly, our hearts need to be comforted by the word. In her book, Edges of His Ways, 
Amy Carmichael is right on target when she points out that no matter what our need may be, what dark cloud may hang over us, we will find just the right word in the Bible, just the right remedy that we are looking for. It may not be the first passage we see when we open the book, but if we search the scriptures diligently, the Bible will answer every issue that arises. The Bible tells us that we're to comfort one another with the words of the Bible. We're to speak edification and exhortation and build up men. The Bible is ours for every purpose in life, but it must be used in an intelligent way. It must be used to convince us and convict us and comfort us. When you are going through difficulty, when you face trials, it is the Bible that you go to because there you will find the comforting words of Almighty God. Our hearts are to be lifted and we're to lift the hearts of others with the truth of this book. I'm sure you know that the place to turn when you need encouragement is probably the Psalms. Somebody said there are more tear stains on the book of Psalms than any other book in the Bible. I can promise you that when I need a lift from God, a word of encouragement, I turn to the middle of my Bible where the Psalms are filled with such information. So we need a sure word from God and we need a serious word from God. We need a systematic word from God and finally, we need a sensitive word from God. Here we are told in this passage of scripture that we're to do this preaching and this teaching with all long suffering. We're to be long suffering as we teach. Somebody says, why does a pastor need to be long suffering? Well, the reason is because when he teaches the people the word of God, a lot of times they don't do it. So you have to keep coming back and teach it over and over and over again. And sometimes those of us who listen have to be long-suffering. For instance, some of you here today may be wives who are really growing in the Lord, and God is using his word to strengthen you and build you inwardly. But your husbands, he's all involved in his career, and he doesn't have time for all of this, and your temptation is to get a little impatient with him, want him to come along at the same speed you're going. And the Bible says we need to be long-suffering. We need to be patient. All of us need to be patient. It was February of 1944, when the little Dutch clock shop was raided, an agent of the Nazi Gestapo stood in the living room of Corey Ten Boom's family, his eyes studying the books on a shelf. You, the old man there, he said, I see you believe in the Bible. It was true. Every morning before he opened his watch shop, Corey Ten Boom's father, Casper, held devotions with his family. The focal point was a large, brass-hinged Bible, and Casper would read a chapter, lead a prayer, begin the business day, and then as the sun set, the family would gather again and take up where they had left off in the morning's readings. Casper's youngest child, a daughter, remembered him reading, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thou art my hiding place and my shield, I hope, in thy word. The child had wondered what it all meant at the time. A hiding place? What kind, what could a word be that would be equated to a hiding place? But this was the dark day when she was about to discover her answer. For you see, old Casper, his four adult children, and one grandchild were ordered out of their home, marched to police headquarters. There they awaited an uncertain fate. They had been charged with secretly sheltering Jews who were under persecution by the German government. In the holding cell, the ten booms ate the little meal that they were given, huddling together in the encroaching darkness. Only one thing gave them a taste of home, time together in the Bible. 
Casper led devotions that night as if it were any other day and any other place. Of course, he didn't have the great Bible that had been on the shelf, and there was no light for reading it had he had it. But that didn't matter because, you see, he had buried that word in his heart, the hiding place no enemy could ever invade. And he knew the passages about comfort, chapter and verse, and he quoted them as if he were reading them. And his daughter, Cory Ten Boom, wrote, His blue eyes seemed to be seeing beyond the locked and crowded room, beyond Harlem, beyond earth itself, as he quoted from memory, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe. Later in concentration camp, she managed to get a Bible and to read it to her fellow prisoners. The blacker the night around us grew, she recalled, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the word of God. And indeed, the nighttime of her life grew black. She endured the deaths of her father. She endured the death of her beloved sister, Betsy. She survived humiliation and cruelty and neglect. But the word of God and the peace of God flowing from it brought her through the long nightmare so that she might emerge from her experience to bless the whole world with her message of hope. Does that story or perhaps something else that I have mentioned cause you to realize how powerful this book can be in your culture, in your situation? Some of these truths we have talked about are truths very similar to things you've experienced. But my friend, if you don't have a copy of the Word of God, and if it's not a part of your life, if you're trying to get through these chaotic days without the confidence that comes from the Scripture, you are not going to make it. You are going to be victimized instead of becoming a victor. The light always shines the brightest when all the darkness falls on our surroundings. Our world is now in crisis, and many people that I am talking to today are living with a sense of loss and a fear of the future. The Word of God is available to convince your mind, to convict your will, and comfort your heart. If you will read it, if you will cherish it, and let it dwell within you richly, you will see the darkness of your life begin to retreat as the light of God's truth shines brightly in your life. If you remember the Bible's warnings that the Bible and the faith will come under increasing attacks as we get closer to the return of Christ, you will not cower in fear when skeptics raise their voices as they seem to be doing today. Whether they're comedians who try to soften you with their humor or scholars who try to overwhelm you with their intellectual arguments or religious leaders who try to convince you that the Bible is just a book, you will be ready and you will make it through in a victorious manner with both hands lifted high. You will remember that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Amen. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of this particular lesson about staying confident. Tomorrow, yeah, this is going to be one that will rub our fur the wrong way a little bit. Stay consistent. Most of us can do anything for a short period of time and do it well, but doing it over a long period of time, that's where the rubber meets the road. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. We're going to be honest, but we'll be compassionate. So be sure and join us for the Friday edition of Turning Point. And in between now and then, if you haven't already done so, please make sure that you make your order 
for living with confidence in a chaotic world, certain hope in uncertain times. Uh, this book, which is 230 pages, will wrap your attention. It will help you understand how you should walk when things are so crazy, even as they are today. When we know who we are and whose we are, we can be a force for God when everything else is falling apart. So be sure to get this book, and here's how you do it. We give you a certain amount of um, opportunity. We we don't want to use this uh, for a privileged few. We want everyone to get a copy of this book. So send a gift of any size, whatever God enables you to do. If you can be really generous, then be so. If you're in a tight spot and don't have much to send, send what you can. But whatever you send, ask for the book. You must ask for the book. Just say simply, send me the book on Living with Confidence, and it will be on its way. Now, friends, I know that we still have a few days left in the month of April, but there's more April behind us than there is before us. So don't wait too much longer. Make sure you get your request for this book in today. And don't forget, tomorrow uh, on the Friday edition of Turning Point, we're going to teach on consistency. And we still have three lessons left in this series. I hope you'll be with us for every single one. Um, We are so delighted to be able to teach the Word of God, and it's more important to teach it in times like this than it's ever been. And uh, we believe God has put us here for such a time as this, and uh, you've helped us stay strong during this time with your financial giving and your prayers. We'll see you next time right here on this good station. I'm David Jeremiah. message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Is Turning Point making a difference in your life? Share your story by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, and live with certainty in these uncertain times. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world you can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey. 
that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game, where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Jeremiah Legacy Society 